Today's episode, we cover tons of player analysis. We look into some of the best players of the last week, injuries and recoveries, the most added and dropped players, and some players from the best and worst MLB teams that should be on your radar. That's today on Fastball Fantasy Baseball. I'm Taylor Tarter, and this is Fastball Fantasy Baseball. Let's get into it. So we want to start off today a little bit different. It's about a third of the way through the season. So I want to talk about how we're doing in our leagues. And I'm only in two leagues this year. I'm in a 12-team points league with you. This is actually my first points league ever. And I'm in an eight-team head-to-head categories home league that uh, both leagues are keeper leagues. Both involve minor leaguers, but in different capacities. And both are very competitive. I know a lot of people talk crap about you know eight-team leagues and like everybody's a super team. But I always say that that just makes it more competitive because every team is good and because every team has studs. It's not you know spread thin or you know, it's not a situation where one team has a lot more quote unquote studs, a lot more talent than, than another, than another team. Every team is good. So got to toot my own horn a little bit. I'm in first place in both leagues. And so most, most people playing in points leagues for a while now know that pitching is king. And so my draft strategy was to target pitchers, that were projected for more wins and losses that had a good strikeout per nine rate. You know, I, I, in both leagues, I tend to target high, like over nine strikeouts per nine inning. I want, I want players who strike out at least a batter in inning. So in that league, in our league, our points league, I ended up with Ryu, Gosman, Sonny Gray, Anthony DiSclefani. I kept Darvish from the previous year. I took over an orphan team. And I've also found success streaming in, in both leagues, really picking good matchups, finding two start guys. I picked up Rodon early and actually just recently traded him. I think I traded him high. Uh, I took, like I said, I took over a team that was a bottom dweller last year, despite having Goldschmidt, Arenado, Albies, all of whom I kept into this year. And so part of this is also a little bit of luck. You know, I added Yerman, uh, the Yerminator early. He's kind of tailing off at this point, which is what we all thought would happen. But his bat in my lineup was so good for the first two months. And then I also added Chris Taylor, who's been unbelievable, especially in a points league. Uh, And I just picked up Robbie Grossman recently, who's been killing it. And, you know, some of these are just like dart throws that have paid off. Uh, But, you know, a lot of these are well-researched dart throws too and then my other league i have a i had a similar strategy with pitching looking for high strikeout per nine guys picked up glass now gray musgrove i made trades for scherzer and peralta and i i reserve a streaming pitching slot in that league too i recently added gilbert and he just had a good game i'm hoping he pans out uh, and my hitter's strategy in that in that league, which is a categories league, it's a little bit different of a strategy. I want to win three categories per week in batting. I want to win runs, home runs, and RBI. Whereas in our points league, my strategy was runs, total bases, and steals. And I should point out to listeners that in a typical points league, steals are worth usually one point. In this league steals are worth two points so they're actually it's way it's more valuable to have guys that steal bases and score runs and then they accumulate the the total bases as well um than than it is to have sometimes those power guys um and for the most part uh i i've stuck to doing that in in my uh cats league i'm sacrificing average and i'm okay with it I only have four guys batting 300 or better on like a, I don't know, out of maybe 15, 16 or so. And then uh, 
I've dealt with crazy injuries at the beginning of the season. I had Voigt, Bellinger, Yelich, Starling Marte, and Sonny Gray all on the IL at the same time with two IL spots. And I know I'm not the only one like that. Um, You know, right now I have uh, Rendon, Yelich, Vaughn, and Gallo all kind of disappointing, but I'm loving Bichette. I'm loving Jared Walsh. Um, And for my friends listening in that league, Definitely looking to to upgrade some outfield though. How <laughs> are your leagues going, Matt? Yeah, well, I'm I'm loving the fact that in our league uh, there's a five way tie for second place. I mean, you could find me in the middle of that somewhere, but uh, it's always been a super competitive league. And the fact that you're in first and it's your first year, you should absolutely not be taking that for granted. Uh, for instance, the bottom four teams in the standings, uh, they have eight championship appearances between them, um, as well as four titles combined over the last 10 years. Um, so, you know, with two-thirds of the season remaining, things are bound to get a little hairy. Uh, when we started the league, very few of us had ever really played fantasy baseball before. Um, so it was a big learning curve, but it really – didn't take too long for us to catch the bug. You know, we, we had a fantasy football league, and so that's kind of what the pivot was. Let's do a points baseball league to kind of teach us how to do that. Um, but now it's clear that everybody prefers fantasy baseball over fantasy football, at least in this league, you know? I think, uh, I think it's interesting because baseball is every day. Yeah. If you're in a daily league, you, get, you do this every day, whereas yeah. football, it's maybe – to two maybe three days a week yeah and, and like pros and cons to that right i i think uh sure it's less work necessarily for football but it's easier to build a rhythm with daily fantasy baseball because you know you are checking it you know at a certain hour of every day most people would probably schedule like that uh whereas i know for myself fantasy football I mean, a Thursday comes around, and I have just completely forgotten to, to look at my lineup until games have started, you know. And that's just not the, really the case in fantasy baseball because every, every day you're looking at it, right? And I, and I love that. Honestly, I think everybody in our points league loves that. Um, and I know it's kind of – sometimes you're looking at it, and it's like this mountain of work that you look at. It's a little intimidating, but the reality is uh, it, it's, it's fun, you know. <laughs> but – um, and even in our league, like there are quirks and they're in every league, but in ours, of course, there's plenty, uh, but that's part of the fun. Like yeah. you said about the points uh, for stolen bases being uh, added, you know, things like that. Keepers, different years and different rounds. Uh, personally, my strategy has always been to acquire hitters who limit the amount of strikeouts because the strikeout is minus one. Um, and I love getting pitchers who go deep into games because we're not seeing that too much anymore. And you get, you get three points for every completed inning. Um, and then finally, I, I basically always punt closers uh, at, on draft day and try to find them on the waiver wire throughout the year. Um, but naturally, things don't always go as you plan them, right? And so inevitably, that's why you end up with guys that are complete opposite of your mentality going in. So I, for years now, I think I've kept Ronald Acuna, who just almost leads the league in strikeouts every year, which is the complete opposite of a player that I really like. But, you know, a guy like that is staring you in the face, and you've you got to make that decision. Similarly with uh, Chapman, I spent a high draft pick on a closer, an aging closer, but I had to do it at the time. And he's you know, so kinda, good. He's I know, so he's, good this year. I, it, it's such a, such a lucky pick, really. Um, I've gotten burned so many times drafting closers high that it really formulated my opposite opinion of <laughs> drafting them, right? But sometimes you got to make concessions when you see that opportunity come along. I mean, personally, I think in our league, my, my team mostly buoyed by my keepers, despite the fact that I've had Zach Gallon and Kenta Maeda as two of my eight keepers. Um, I got pretty lucky striking gold with Freddie Peralta uh, late in the draft, as well as Jared Walsh. Um, but so far, I've really swung and missed on early draft picks like Kevin Biggio, Alex Boat, and uh, Gavin Lux, though he seems to be coming around a little bit. 
Um, he had a good a week. Of, huh? He had a good week. Oh, yeah, he's been he's been fun. But, you know, again, we, we keep talking about the Dodgers. You know, what's going to happen when everyone's healthy? So we'll see. Um, also had a lot of fun riding the hot hand at Rich Hill recently. Uh, and, I, of course, I'm super excited for Alec Manoa, you know, for the rest of the year to see how that plays out. Um, the, our league voted to increase our IL slots from three to four this season because of COVID. Um, and we also increased the weekly transaction limit from five to six. And I think it's so interesting to like hear how different leagues have managed uh, the rules in unison with, with COVID and the response to that. I think in theory, we made these decisions and they were good ideas. Um, but I've noticed very few owners are maxing out on their moves this season. Um, I, am one, I am one of them who is maxing out every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you kind of, I mean, you had to do that, you know, kind of out, out the gate, right? Because you're trying to figure out how to do things. And, oh, know, yeah. What, what's your strategy? How do you figure that out? But, and now you have, but, you know, different owners had a sort of different mentality. And now we have all these extra moves, but bigger IL slots. So I think personally, you're just, there's not a lot of talent on the waiver wire, right? I mean, that's probably like that for every league. But now because player owners are able to stash guys for longer, uh, it, it's kind of interesting to me because you would think having more moves in, a, in an injury-riddled season with IL slots would make people actually expand and use all those moves, but it's not happening because talent is just not available. Um, so going forward in, in our league, I, I'd be interested to actually move our IL slots back after this year. We originally had two, two years ago. If we go back to that, that's definitely something I'm looking to, to, to gauge the feeling for. Uh, and then of course, dropping back to five moves. Um, because I think you don't want it. You don't want draft day to be the end all be all, you know, you, you, you don't want to like be day one and already have your season over because you had a bad draft and you want to be able to, to, to build and survive through waiver wire if, if possible or if necessary. And I don't see that as a possibility in our current situation, the way that the, the, the moves and the IL slots are. Uh, but I think it's important to hear your perspective on it because you, this is your first year in it and, uh, would you tweak anything currently or are you kind of just going with the flow because, you know, you're still kind of putting it all together? So in, in my other league, in my categories league, we do quality starts instead of wins. And I think, I know we talked about that in the, in the off season mm -hmm. this year about how to incorporate or if we can incorporate quality starts into our points league. And I think that should be something that we revisit um, just because it, it, there are times where pitchers do really well, like Rich Hill has been doing where he's not going to pick up a quality start because they pull him out in the fifth inning. Yeah. And he, maybe he doesn't even get the win. Right. But he, or, um, you know, I don't know, a pitcher who goes like six, six innings, gets a quality start, but the team ends up losing the game, right? Those are the situations where you want to have some form of, of, you know, reward for that pitcher doing well. Um, so I think quality starts would be something to look into. I actually, in my, in my eight team league, I kind of wish we had done one more IL spot. And obviously this is hindsight because, and we're going to talk about this and, you know, in a couple of minutes is, the amount of injuries we've had this year is just astounding. And the fact that, you know, we're seeing guys go on the COVID IL every other week, basically, you know, it kind of makes it so you really need IL spots. And we have two in the other league. I wish we had added one more, uh, but for this year, but um, I think three is probably a good sweet spot for IL because you don't want to make it so easy that like, you can just, like you said, hang on to guys and stash them. Yeah, I mean, uh, you you know uh, the other oh one other thing that I think would be kind of cool that we do in my uh, in my other league is uh, free agent auction bidding. So we d we have a fab budget, and there are certain days of the week where we where you can 
bid on players. So it makes it a little, a little more competitive uh, picking up players because you have to plan. You know, if you want a guy pitching, like I want to stream a pitcher on Thursday, well, I have to pick him up on Wednesday. And, and I have to plan around that. Yeah. And I also have to think about, well, who else might be interested in him? How do I bid? What do I, you know, how much money do I bid for this guy? Do I do a $0 bid? Am I risking losing him? Yeah. Maybe I should pick up another guy too, right? And so that just adds a whole other element of strategy in there. And I think that's yeah. something. Game within a game. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, yeah, I'd like to visit that too and see how everybody feels. I mean, and that's kind of the, that's the thing about being in a, in a democracy league, right? Where everybody has different opinions about how things should go. And, you know, ultimately it comes down to that league vote. You know? <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and that's how it should be. Yeah. Yeah. So with all that being said, uh, why don't we take a look at some guys who had great week eights. San Francisco third baseman, Evan Longoria, who we're going to talk about again in a minute. Uh, he went nine for 23. It's a 391 batting average last week. Five runs, three home runs, 10 RBI, which is awesome for the season. He has a 265 with a 311 BABIP. It's his career BABIP is 296. So that 260-ish, 270-ish average looks pretty legit. Uh, he's got eight home runs, 25 runs, and 27 RBI on the year. He's having a great season for a 35-year-old. Some things I like, he's got basically a 12% walk rate, which is the best of his career. He's also got the best stat cast numbers of his career. That's exit velocity, barrel rate, all that stuff. Uh, his BABIP of 311 is sustainable uh, because he's hitting – 23% line drives, which is uh, very, very good. His ground ball rate is under 40%, which is also good. And 18% home run to fly ball rate is just barely higher than, than normal. And that's not enough for me to worry about a significant drop-off in the rate of home runs. I love Evan Longoria. Uh, now, obviously, so he got he's injured. We'll talk about that in a minute probably going to hit the IL but he when he comes back he needs to be rostered in more than 44 percent of ESPN leagues and then another guy who uh, this shouldn't surprise anyone Brandon Woodruff is just killing it last week he had uh, he was a two-start pitcher last week both games he got quality starts and wins versus San Diego and Washington he, he pitched 14 innings zero earned runs, two walks, and 18 strikeouts. Unbelievable. That's a 0.00 ERA, Matt. His season stats, 127 ERA, 69 whip. Nice. Uh, 71 innings pitched, 83 strikeouts, 16 walks, 10 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Now, with all that great, you know, great stuff, there are some signs of regression. The BABIP is under 200. Uh, he's usually closer to a 300 BABIP. So he's obviously getting lucky uh, there. And he's getting fortunate with his home run to fly ball rate. It's only 6%, which is about half as much as the league average. So you can expect that the, the ERA is going to regress. But at the same time, he's limiting the hard contact. He's limiting barrels. And all the advanced ERA metrics predict some regression in ERA, but maybe like a half a run. It's not enough to make me want to sell high if I have him. Uh, and to me, if I did have him, he would be a ride or die for me all season. I'm, I'm riding him to the very end. So let's take a quick look at some of the big injury updates. Ouch, baby very ouch man this is this is gonna be bad uh <laughs> since the last episode we've had you know last last week we were okay this week not so much no nah, we thought we turned a corner we did not we did not <laughs> we turn turned a corner. corner right into a brick wall <laughs> yeah yeah turned a corner the wrong way yeah. uh so colorado shortstop trevor story has some elbow inflammation 
It's not a good sign, but the team said this is similar to an injury, a minor injury that he had in 2018 where he missed 10 days. Uh, He had a clean MRI yesterday, which is good, but it it is a little scary. Uh, Add Brendan Rodgers in the meantime if he's available. I'm sure a lot of people have already picked him up. Then another scary thing, Fernando Tatis got taken out of the game on Tuesday in uh, in the sixth inning, I believe, with oblique tightness. Man, it's a lot of oblique injuries this year. Uh, this is a definitely a situation to monitor. And it's really disappointing because he was doing so, so well. I mean, on pace for a 50-50 season. Crazy. You know, so... Kind of a bummer to see him go, even though I have to play against him. Uh, But what can you do? Uh, Another player who came back from injury was taken out of the game. Uh, Kansas City shortstop Adalberto Mondesi had a hamstring tweak. Not what you want to see, especially for a speed guy. Uh, Another player to watch, situation to watch. We don't know yet about IL or anything like that. He's an enticing player, but risky, uh, does not walk. Uh, I would say better in category head-to-head Roto Leagues than than points for sure. Yeah, he's one of those guys that is like perennially on my do not draft list for our points league. He's on my do not draft list for Roto because of the injuries. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota outfielder Max Kepler hit the IL again out with a hamstring injury. What a disappointing year for Max Kepler. You know, every at least I was hoping for like 25, 30 home run season. Um, but it is, it's just getting really disappointing. At this point, if you're adding somebody like Tyler O'Neill for him, I think it might be worth it to drop him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't drop him for like Manuel Margot, who we're going to talk about later. But Somebody Tyler like Tyler O'Neill. O'Neill. Yeah, I mean, he might hit 30 home runs this year. Yeah. Didn't he uh, have five, like, last, last, like, eight games or something? Yeah. 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 It's been, it's been a, a, good, a good week for him. Yeah. But he's very streaky. Um, yeah. So. I did see him make a really awesome catch last night, too. So, maybe he's, he's even showing his defensive prowess a little bit, too. It's kind of surprising to see a man that is constructed in that way to actually move – nimbly you know <laughs> he's a big dude yeah i think his dad is is like an olympic uh weightlifter and i think he, that those genes sort of transferred into our boy tyler <laughs> yeah and and another you know he he can also steal a couple bases too yeah uh, which is you know another reason why i'm saying if you have max kepler and at this point you're ready to just say like this is enough you know, somebody somebody like Tyler O'Neill, somebody in that mold, I think go for it, especially if you're in a shallow league or if you have a limited IL space. Uh, might be time to say goodbye. Uh, Miami starting pitcher Sixto Sanchez has – he's dealing with some shoulder soreness. And so Miami is pausing the throwing program with him. They say they're stopping for a few days, but if you're rostering Sixto, if you're hoping he's, you know, coming up in June or July, this is something you really want to watch. We've seen a couple pitchers in the last week or so get shut down with shoulder soreness. So keep an eye on him. And then there's uh, another player who's hitting the IL repeatedly, uh, Chicago middle infielder, middle infielder Nico Herner, out with a hamstring strain. You know, the potential is there you got to assume he's out two weeks at least. And, and this is a guy where I I wouldn't be opposed if I had him to dropping him, Uh, you know, the upside is there, but he's showing you can't stay healthy. Yeah. One, one uh, player who's been doing very, very well this season, having a little bit of a resurgence, uh, Oakland outfielder, Ramon Laureano. So this is a tough one to see. He's out with a groin injury. Uh, he's hit, he's on the 10 day IL, but this is a guy you have to, you have to stash. He's having such a good season, um, that you got, uh, you know, make room for, make room for him. 
And then one interesting one, and you could probably talk about this being a Philly fan, is uh, Bryce Harper, who's been out since May 23rd, not coming back on time from the 10-day IL. He has got a forearm bruise, and he needs more time to recover for the forearm bruise. I mean, it's, it's been pretty frustrating because he, so, he was so hot in April. You know, and it looked like the guy – I think that's always been his thing. He's always so good in April. And everybody's like, oh, he's going to keep it together for the whole year. That's what we were thinking this year, too. But, uh, I mean, he hit the point where he was trying to play through the injury. I mean, there were there were moments in games where he's coming up in a big spot and he, he's laying down bunts because he, he can't swing through the zone. Um, it's a forearm bruise, apparently, but, I mean, I, I've heard – heard people say that he might be on for like another month uh, and it's kind of a mysterious thing right I mean forearm bruises probably shouldn't be that uh, that much that impactful but uh, you know you want him to come back healthy and anything that's going to nag him through the rest of the year we don't want a, a 330 million dollar guy coming up and bunting in, in big situations and you know? also stay on the IL if it takes a month take, take a month come back healthy do we have to figure like a month of il into his projections from this point on like like for next year do you think it it seems so strange because they're not really consistent injuries right they're just they're different injuries and you know the one big one when when he was with the nats and he kind of blew out his knee there at the very end step off first you know it, it, they're not consistent to me, but he is consistently injured. So, I mean, uh, maybe you do build that in, and, and it's a shame, you know, particularly in a league like our league, the points league. I mean, he's he's like the perfect prototype player for that. Yeah. Um, takes a lot of walks. Takes a ton of walks, you know, hits the ball really hard, and, you know, he's always on base. Uh, and he hits in the middle of a pretty decent lineup. So, I mean, I think the thing about Harper is, though, you're always going to have to – you're always going to have to take him high because he's the got potential. Of, yeah. You know? Former MVP. Yeah. Yeah. Then uh, we got another outfielder who's out, Nick Senzel. He needs arthroscopic surgery to relieve knee inflammation. That's four to six weeks. He's going to be out. The good news is for the Reds that uh, Aquino, Aquino, Vado, Mustakis, they should all be back soon. You figure uh, Jonathan India is going to get most of the second base at bats for now, but he's a guy that should probably only be rostered in very, very deep leagues. He's not a hard hitter, lots of ground balls. Aquino coming back is going to complicate the outfield because right now uh, Castellanos, Naquin, Winker, they all look like must starts. Yeah. So, but Aquino, Aquino has. Uh, a great power bat. So I'm curious to see how they how they shake that up. Maybe they platoon him with Naquin. And then my boy Evan Longoria, he has a grade one intercostal strain. That's the muscles between the ribs. And the typical recovery from that is two to three weeks. Could be less, could be more. Uh, but basically for him, they need rest. And, and St. Louis starting pitcher Jack Flaherty, he has a similar injury to Longoria he uh has some kind of side issue going on he just hit the IL as well um so I just saw uh really tough news from the Cardinals front Flaherty headed to the IL with a significant oblique injury uh said the Mike Schultz says there's no timetable but he will undoubtedly be out for a while wow breaking news that's the Cardinals beat yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that's rough. That's tough. Really tough. I mean, but he's a player you got to hold on to. Got to ride it out. Yeah, you're not gonna cut him. Gotta keep. Gotta keep. Uh, we got a couple more returns. Uh, Dodgers second base outfielder Zach McKinstry, first base outfielder Cody Bellinger came back over the weekend. Bellinger scored a run in each of his three games back, but didn't do much else. But he's a guy where the power is going to come. You have to be patient a little bit after the injury recovery. McKintree, on the other hand, went 0 for 9 and had no counting stats. You still got to add him because of what he did before his injury. 
but I would really be watching how they use McKinstry, Lux, and Taylor. Um, at least over the weekend, McKinstry looks like the odd man out. But those three guys are going to be, you know, uh, that's going to be a situation to monitor um, in terms of playing time. The Dodgers are also getting back A.J. Pollock and starting pitcher Tony Gonsolin sometime this week. Uh, Pollock is also going to ca- complicate that outfield alignment um, and, and is going to affect some of those other guys in the middle infield too because a lot of those guys shift around. And Gonsolin, we've talked about him before, must add, must start. Miami shortstop Miguel Rojas, not a huge name, but he's been productive this year. He dislocated his finger last Thursday and is on the 10-day IL. And the team got Starling Marte back over the weekend. He was out with a fractured rib. He should be good to go. I'd watch to see if he steals much uh, for the next little bit because of the impact uh, on the torso. And to me, that's something to watch because that's, you know, half the reason why you roster Starling Marte is to get the steals. So that could take away some of his value. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I bet you, though, he does kind of ease off the gas there. Probably. I mean, I mean he – Unfortunately, stealing bags is how a lot of players end up getting injured, right? And uh, he's definitely going to ease back into it, I guess. Yeah, and uh, I would assume the same thing. Pittsburgh third baseman Ken Brian Hayes should be back this Thursday from a wrist injury. Uh, if he's available in deeper leagues, I think he's a must-add. But my worry is that he's already a player who's limited in power, dealing with a wrist injury, and it's just going to sap his power even more. Uh, one player who I'm excited to see back is Miami starting pitcher, Eliezer Hernandez. He could be back this week. He's one of those really interesting Miami pitchers. Definitely worth an add in deep leagues. To me, he's a wait and see in shallow leagues, but definitely a player to watch. He's got uh, high strikeout upside. He's got good stuff. So um, keep an eye on him. Uh, Mets pitcher Taiwan Walker came back over the weekend, pitched really well against Atlanta. And he's having a great season so far, but he looks like a prime sell-high candidate. Under nine strikeouts per nine innings, nearly four walks per nine innings, 214 BABIP, under 40% ground balls, 2.5% home run to fly ball rate, and he's giving up 40% hard hit, right? So uh, all the advanced ERA metrics think he's closer to a four ERA pitcher, which is more than twice his ERA. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> What's that guy on the uh, on the like the uh, finance channel that has all the buttons? Sell, oh, sell, sell. money. Yeah. Uh, Houston starting pitcher Lance McCullers. Uh, the team update is he's back in mid June from shoulder soreness. He was doing really well. I roster him. I would like to see him come back. San Diego outfielder Trent Grisham killing it this season back this week uh, and should be in your lineups. And Houston outfielder Michael Brantley should be back any day now from a hamstring strain. Keep an eye out for him if you're Ostrom. Throw him back in your lineups. Cincinnati first baseman Joey Votto began a rehab stint yesterday. He's returning from a fractured thumb. He's a really interesting player this season. Really weird metrics we talked about a couple episodes ago. Worth a flyer if you have room. And if you need uh, some some first base depth. And then the last couple here are all veteran starting pitchers who have been on long-term, uh, the, the long-term IL. So Mets pitcher Noah Syndergaard. The good news is there's no structural damage to the UCL. The bad news is he's not even going to start throwing again for six more weeks. He'll have to restart the throwing program they're definitely going to be conservative with him. You probably got to drop him at this point. Uh, I would think if, if it's not like a keeper dynasty league, I don't think he's coming back this year. Um, and if he is maybe September and he's probably not going to have that big of an impact. Um, so if you're in a dynasty league and you have the room, maybe, but I would say otherwise time to pull the trigger. Uh, Yankees pitcher Luis Severino he's going on a rehab assignment on Sunday so this is really exciting this is something to watch uh, to me I would switch out Syndergaard for Severino for sure. uh, 
other uh, another Yankees starting pitcher update is not so good. Corey Kluber has a shoulder strain. He's getting shut down for a month. And then I would assume uh, at least another month to ramp back up. So something, something there uh, to keep an eye on. And then uh, one last starting pitcher who's on track to come back is Chris Sale. He's increasing the throwing program. He's been dealing with setbacks, but it looks like things are finally clicking and they think he's going to come back sometime during the summer. I'm guessing probably August. And then this one last thing is not an injury, but I guess it's partially an injury. Marcelo Zuna, he's been out with dislocated fingers, but he's also arrested last weekend for uh, domestic violence issues. And it's pretty bad stuff. Uh, what he did, we've seen MLB respond significantly to domestic violence abusers and rightly so. I don't think this is going to be any different. I'm assuming he's done for the year. I, I would hold him until it's official just to, just to see. Um, but I, I, I think there's a good chance Atlanta's going to cut him. Yeah. It's a tricky situation, right? But well, first, because he's, he's already on the IL and I'm sure there's ways to, you know, work around this, but I did remember recently reading that it was going to be hard for them to cut him. Um, I, I think that there's some MLBPA protections there when it comes to, you know, ongoing investigations and cases and stuff like that. So uh, definitely it will be interesting to see how Atlanta handles that, you know, is there a potential for true waters to come up, you know, and fill, fill a void there. Um, they, they've been hurting for some outfield production outside of Acuna, right? So, uh, it'll be very interesting in, in Atlanta. But yeah, I personally, I, I think you caught him right away. I don't, I don't foresee any real option for Azuna to come back and contribute to your team. Yeah, but this year. Yeah, and I, I kind of like that Drew Waters ad. Uh, I, I thought he might be up in like June, July, but yeah. this is a good opening for him. Yeah. So put him on your watch list. So that's enough about injuries. That was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> we're going to get into some of the most dropped and added players uh, of the last week right after a word from our sponsors. I lift things up and put them down. So some of the most added players this year, uh, sorry, not this year, this week, uh, have been Tyler O'Neill, St. Louis outfielder. He's up 42% in ESPN leagues. He's had a really good couple of days. Now, obviously, there's some luck involved, uh, but his 338 BABIP is only 20 points higher than his career BABIP, and he's got a 26% line drive rate, which is maybe suggesting that this BABIP is sustainable. Could be a little bit of good luck. I think we'll see over the next couple of weeks. He's got great stat cast metrics, though, in terms of hard contact. The big worry for me is the 35% strikeout rate and 35% chase rate, which is going to limit the batting average upside. It's also got a 19% swing and strike rate and his 41% home run to fly ball rate is obviously unsustainable. His career rate is 23%. So it's probably closer to a 240 hitter than a 270 hitter, but he's still going to hit some bombs. So He's out there, and he should be added uh, – should be getting close to 90% sooner yeah. than later. I mean, if you're an Azuna owner, too, maybe that's your guy. Mm -hmm. plug in. Um, another guy I've been really excited about, we mentioned him earlier, Rich Hill. Eight innings against Kansas City last week. Uh, and then his most recent start on Memorial Day, he spread three hits over five innings uh, against the Yankees, who – I know they are the Yankees, but they've been pretty putrid offensively for a little bit. So maybe take some of these starts against the Yankees with a grain of salt. But Rich Hill has been very good after after his first three starts, um, which he was very bad. Um, he's not going to overpower you by any means. Uh, he's a classic example of a repeatable delivery and hammering locations. Uh, just the wily old veteran, really, at this point, and he knows how to pitch, uh, and that's the kind of guy you like to have on your roster. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of him this season too. Not going to get you a ton of strikeouts, but or sorry, not going to get you a ton of quality starts, but he's looking good in his last couple of games, picking up wins. Uh, one player who's gotten super hot the last two weeks, Milwaukee outfielder uh, Avisal Garcia, up 56% in ESPN leagues. All his stat cast, hard, con- hard contact metrics are the best of his career. His home run to fly ball rate is about 10% more than normal, but the better contact metrics kind of legitimize that boost in, in home runs. And I think it's sustainable. He's got the playing time with Kane struggling. And I think the average is also going to come up because uh, the BABIP is a little low. So to me, he's a must add in every league. He should be rostered everywhere. Mm. Another absolute must add is big old Alec Manoa made his debut against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium last week. And again, we, we did just talk about how bad the offense has been, but you're a rookie. You have 35 career innings professionally in the minor leagues and you debut in Yankee Stadium against the pinstripes uh, and you dominate. It, it was pretty exciting stuff. He throws both a four-seamer and a two-seamer. He pairs that with a slider. And what was apparently a big surprise, I watched the start and listened to the Toronto announcers. They were surprised about how often he was using his changeup and how good it was. Um, so it was very, very exciting debut. When somebody like Eno Saris, who I am a huge fan of, uh, he classifies Manoa as a top 40 starting pitcher for the rest of the season. I have to be just through the moon about this guy. If you're a Manoa owner, you're a Blue Jays fan, or you just love seeing young guys come out of nowhere and dominate the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he, he might be right about being top 40, but uh, he's still he's still young and very unpolished, you know. So yeah, it's hard it's hard to kind of reel in the train once it's left. Yeah. Stage, oh right? yeah. And that, oh, yeah. I think that's where we all might be. So yes, breaking some logic and you know pump the brakes might be a smart thing to do. Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah. He beat but the it's Yankees. hard when you're this excited, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I mean, he impressed against the Yankees. He's got Miami today in a good matchup next week against the White Sox. Um, he looks legit, man. Gotta gotta add him. Uh, and then, so the most dropped players of the last week. There's tons of pitchers that are getting dropped, probably because of streaming. There's lots of injured players that are getting dropped. So, kind of rifled through a little bit uh, and found, I think, some interesting names. Uh, Arizona starting pitcher Madison Bumgarner. He's down 20% in ESPN leagues. What's your take on? Yeah, Mad well. Bum? I mean, the reality is we were kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop here, right? Uh, since his May 11th gem against the Marlins, he's taken an L on three consecutive starts. And most recently, start against St. Louis, he was smoked six runs over four innings. He has a start today against the Mets, so he probably throws another gem because it's the Mets. But I'm a little biased as a Phillies fan, so, you know, I'm, I'm probably – I'm just kidding a little bit, kind yeah. of. <laughs> I, I wouldn't totally count him out rest of the season. Um, to me, he's more of a matchup play. Obviously, he did really well in, in a good matchup. And St. Louis's offense is heating up right now. So, you know, he didn't do so great in that matchup. So, yeah. to me, you know, you stream him. Yeah, all right, that's, that's fair. Which yeah, is why, yeah. which is why I think he's dropped in twenty percent of leagues. People sure. are people are freaking out that he's not doing so well in in these tough matchups. Yeah, and they were tough. I mean, his last three matchups were so St. Louis, then in Colorado right before that, and then against the Dodgers, which I think oh, yeah. in L.A. So yeah, I mean, he's lost some shine maybe because of the tough matchups. Um, but I, I know that if you owned him, you're, you kind of picked him up to stream, stream him like six starts ago, and he was great. And then you're like, well, I was going to drop him. Now I'm going to hang on to him. But I don't really want to, but I have to. You know? And so it might be a blessing in disguise that he got blown up and you kind of let him go. Yeah, and San Francisco's starting pitcher, Anthony DiSclefani, he's getting dropped a lot too. 12, he's down 12% in ESPN leagues over the last week. While I think 
dropping Madison Bumgarner and is fine as long as you're playing the matchups with him. I think dropping Di Sclafani is a big mistake. He's had one bad game, one bad game this season, and it was against the Dodgers. Like, duh. Like, of course he's going to have a bad game against the Dodgers. Most pitchers have bad games against the Dodgers. This season he's got eight strikeouts per nine. He's uh, got only one home run per nine inning. Uh, and he's inducing a 50% ground ball rate. San Francisco is following the Kevin Gossman formula with him, reducing the fastball usage, upping the slider and changeup usage, and he's got three pitches right now with higher than a 25% whiff rate. This is a guy you need to hang on to. I sat him in that Dodgers matchup because I knew it was going to be bad. He's been good in every other game. He should not be being dropped. Yeah, definitely keep on. Another guy who you really wanted to drop, uh, but the ceiling's still pretty high for is Alec Baum. Um, so yesterday was probably his best game of the season. He went through for five, uh, had a run and an RBI. Prior to that, Baum's had three hits over his last 11 games and to pair with that, 15 strikeouts. Um, so maybe yesterday was the start of something good, but there were rumblings before that of a possible demotion triple a which really came as a surprise i know he's struggling but he has the the backing of of girardi and the front office loves him the whole organization loves loves him um basically if you've made it this long holding him through all this uh you might as well continue to hold him to see if if he turned a corner right now after yesterday um but otherwise just if he's available put him on your watch list really just do some research after next week and then figure out what, what has happened the last couple of days. Yeah. Really disappointing this year. I hope, I hope this isn't like a Scott Kangaroo situation, oh, you know, that, uh, that would not be good. I just twitched. <laughs> <laughs> One last uh, player who's getting dropped a lot is Dylan Bundy. Who's down in 9% VSPN leagues. He's been looking really awful lately, and he's a tough, tough one to figure out. Most of his stats aren't like um, out of the ordinary. They don't jump out at you as a bad pitcher. Nine strikeouts per nine innings, two basically two and a half walks per nine innings. Pretty normalized BABIP. The big problem is a twenty percent home run to fly ball rate, which is a little bit of bad luck, but also uh, pitch location. If you look up his spray chart on StatCast for his different pitches. It shows that he's thrown a ton of fastballs over the heart of the plate and a, and a ton that are elevated. He's also throwing a bunch of breaking pitches like curveballs up in the zone, which are going to just get lofted into, into the stands. Most of his expected stats show lower numbers than his actual stats. And this isn't a velocity issue. But it's something that he's not figuring out and he's not making those adjustments. So to me, I'm on board with dropping him. I dropped him in another league. Um, I would say even in deep leagues, he's kind of unrosterable right now until he figures out whatever he's going through. And so speaking of pitchers here, let's get into a few pitchers you can stream this week. Am I streaming? Am I streaming? If you're looking to add some arms for the next seven days, here are a few you can target. Now, I'm targeting a few teams who are, they have good pitching matchups. I'm not so much focusing on the pitcher. You're going to hear a couple maybe surprising names here, but they have good matchups. So first is Baltimore starting pitcher Keegan Aiken versus Cleveland on Saturday, June 5th. He hasn't gone very deep in games yet, but he had a good game against the White Sox. And even though Cleveland has a winning record, they still have a minus eight run differential and Fran Mill is out. So this is a good, this is a good start. You want to start anybody against Cleveland. Uh, Griffin Canning, uh, Angels pitcher Griffin Canning is playing Seattle tomorrow, June 3rd. Great game against Seattle in early May. He had nine strikeouts. He's had a few bad games, but he's one of those players who does well against bad offenses and doesn't do so great against good offenses. Seattle, not a good offense. I also like uh, Alex Cobb versus Seattle on Saturday the 5th. Miami starting pitcher Cody Potit Potit 
versus Pittsburgh. Uh, tomorrow is a good matchup and versus Colorado next Tuesday, June 8th. It's also a good matchup. He's looked good until he played Boston and he's got two really good matchups coming up. This is a sneaky pickup. I think um, I grabbed him in a couple leagues and uh, Tampa Bay pitcher, Josh Fleming has a good matchup against Texas on Friday, June 4th. He's better in leagues that score wins and quality than uh, rather than quality starts because he does not go deep, uh, but it's a good matchup. And then Rich Hill also exact same uh, playing Texas uh, on Saturday, uh, June 5th, same concern about quality starts and wins. Just know that going in. So we're going to wrap up today talking about two major league teams sort of as a whole, but we're going to focus on a few players with those teams who you should be paying attention to maybe a little bit under the radar, maybe a little bit undervalued. So we'll look at Tampa who's the hottest team in baseball right now. And the Orioles who's one of the coldest. That Hansel's so hot right now. Since moving on from Willie Adamas, Tampa's firing on all cylinders. They're finally getting production from Austin Meadows and Randy Rosarena. When Joey Wendell's super hot right now. And despite the bad batting average, Brandon Lau is actually producing. We'll talk about him in a minute. So what I want to do is just look at a few under the radar type of players you can target from the best baseball team, the best team in baseball, and then uh, the worst team in baseball. So um, Tampa catcher Mike Zanino, you know what you're getting. Low batting average, lots of strikeouts, right? The thing is, he's also leading all catchers in the MLB in home runs. He has really, really good hard contact metrics. He's a 27% barrel rate, which is a better barrel rate than Ronald Acuna and Aaron Judge. Wow. Uh, and it's actually the best in baseball. Uh, Francisco Mejia, uh, he's not ready to take over yet. Uh, he, he's doing okay, but he's just not quite there yet. If you can bear the batting average, like meaning you have good batting average throughout the rest of your team, I think he's worth an ad over a lot of other catchers. He's only 20% rostered in ESPN leagues. Catcher is super thin. He's producing. Compare him to somebody like Yasmani Grandal who's rostered in 76% of ESPN leagues, yet Zanino has double the home runs, a better batting average, and more RBI. Mitch, Mitch Garver, Sean Murphy, Omar Narvaez, Travis Darno, who's on the 60-day IL right now, and James McCann are all rostered in more leagues than Mike Zanino, and I would rather have Zanino than all of them. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Also, I Watching uh, the Orioles yesterday, they were playing the Twins. And I think I watched Garber uh, uh, get uh, chauffeured off the, off the field. Um, took something, some bad foul ball or something. And maybe he, that might be worth looking into. Um, but, yes, yeah, Zanino, uh, what, uh, what can you argue against? Those stats, that's, that's such a fine. Um, Manny Margot was a guy who was ripping the ball for uh, Tampa as well. Uh, he's cooled off a bit recently, but today he's got a, he, he's hitting against Jordan Montgomery, who in a small sample size, he has absolutely owned him. Uh, he's four for nine, nine total bases. He's got a homer. Uh, if you can listen to this podcast and you don't know that you have Manny Margot on your, on your team, you should get him in a lineup against Jordan Montgomery. And it'll be fun tomorrow to see what happened, honestly, because he, I, he, he, he's going to have a good night. Yeah, and uh, some, some little fun facts here about Manny Margot. In 2019, only 21 players had 20 steals or more. And only three of those players did it in fewer plate appearances than Manny Margot. Uh, Margot is currently on pace for the most plate appearances of his career. He also could end up with career highs in home runs, runs and RBI. And this is also one of the first times he's being used in the top half of the order. He's typically been a, a bottom third of the order and he spent most of this year batting fourth or fifth. So just something to, to think about. And at least for the moment, 
I would rather roster Margot than Dom Smith, Kevin Biggio, Jeff McNeil, and Ramel Tapia, all of whom are rostered at a higher rate than Manny Margot. So just a little, little fun fact there. And then second base outfielder Brandon Lau. Th- this is a strange case because he's accumulating your roto stats, but the batting average is still below the Mendoza line. The 30% strikeout rate's a problem, but the th- 234 BABIP is also a problem. And what I'm seeing is that there's something wrong with his swing. He's got kind of wonky hard contact metrics, but all this stuff is is fixable. The, he's, his launch angle is lower than it's ever been. That's something fixable. He just needs to make a few adjustments to his swing and the power is going to come. The hard contact is going to come back. He's typically been a good hard contact hitter. So this is, to me, a great buy low. He's, he's definitely not uh, – he, he's rostered in like 90%, 98% of, of, of leagues. So he's definitely not out there on your free agent wire, on your waiver wire, but he's definitely a good buy low guy. Uh, the average is going to come up. He plays a, a thin position at second base. Everybody's always looking for outfield. Uh, you know, good, good guy to target. Uh, I think he's definitely going to get better. And so despite being one of the worst teams in baseball, the Orioles players actually have some value. So uh, there's a few players here uh, who you should really, really be trying to target from Baltimore. One of them is first base outfielder Trey Mancini. I love Trey Mancini. Me too. He should legitimately be in the conversation as a top five first baseman nationally. Everybody should be talking about Trey Mancini as a top five first baseman. Problem is nobody cares a lick about Trey Mancini. Uh, He has more total bases than Freddie Freeman, Jose Abreu, Max Muncy, and Yuli Gurriel. He has an awesome K percentage of 20.7. He walks. He will never steal you one single base. But he's the kind of player that you would never actually get value for because he doesn't get the credit he deserves. He's, he's the kind of guy that if you own him, you're so proud to say that you own Trey Mancini because you want to tell people that you have a top five first baseman and they don't know it. You know, so if, if there's a way that you can acquire yourself some shares of Trey Mancini, get after it because this guy. Yeah, and it might be a good chance for you to buy low too because somebody doesn't really realize what they have that's true know? yeah uh another o's player you should be trying to acquire is outfielder anthony santander uh he's just coming back from from the injured list and i think he was playing hurt before he hit the il because He's been a, a good hard contact hitter, and his hard contact was so low to start the season. Uh, those metrics are all coming up. Still needs to elevate the ball a little more to be, you know, more more productive. Uh, the con- but the contact metrics, the discipline metrics, aren't far off from his his career numbers. So that's a good sign. What he really needs to do is turn some of that forty six percent ground ball rate into fly balls. And then we'll start seeing the home runs uh, go up. I think he's a player to buy low-ish on right now for sure. Um, He's a a 30 home run hitter in in a normal season. And there's definitely value in that. He might only hit 260, but there's absolutely value in a player like that. Another player you could buy low on who's got some pretty decent value, uh, given the current state of injuries, is a nine-home run Freddie Galvis, which I can't believe I just said that. Uh, He's on pace to have probably the best year of his career, which has been a lifetime classification as slightly above average uh, Freddie Galvis. He's a serviceable fantasy player, uh, and like I said, because of these injuries. So in deep leagues, a great way to fill in for an injury. Um, He's not going to hurt you anywhere. He's got a decent K rate. And the 250 batting average could be a lot worse. So really great band-aid for your lineup. So we're taking the next week off from the podcast, but tweet us, reach out on social media or email. 
and we'll respond. Also, make sure you've subscribed so you're notified when new episodes publish. We'll be back Wednesday, June 16th. If you want to get more info from me, I'm currently writing baseball, fantasy baseball, and baseball betting articles for thegameday.com and some UFC articles too. So you can check out my articles there. Uh, It's a great source for sports betting and fantasy news. So make sure you check out thegameday.com. Also check out creativesports2.com. That's the number two. I have a column there called Three Strikes. I post there every Thursday. And finally, please give the show a five-star rating. Each high rating helps move this podcast, the list on all the podcast platforms when people search for fantasy baseball. So something that helps me and Matt out a lot. You can follow us on Instagram at Fastball Fantasy Baseball. You can follow us on Twitter at Fastball Pod. Reach out. Let us know you're listening. We're very interactive on social media. We love giving advice and, and hearing from listeners. So tweet us with any sort of questions you have. You might just hear it on the show and feel free to email us at fastballfantasybaseball at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or any ideas. Thanks for listening.